The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. So this is from our uh, foster closet thing we did Friday night, and so we get, we uh, gave out clothes, uh, toys, uh, supplies, car seats, strollers. Kyle got to ride a unicorn. How awesome is that? Uh, we did that on Friday night to almost 50 families uh, that came, and so really, you know, that comes from it happened on Friday night, but it comes from a lot of people volunteering, helping out, giving. Uh, if you've donated items, if you've helped sort items, do you know what? if you just give money to the church, this is part of it because we do it here at the building. We have a foster closet upstairs. That's where we're able to put these things away and pull up the next slide with a picture of the little girl. And so this one is really, really cool. Um, they were there, but what's super special about this one is if you remember about maybe three or four months ago, we took an offering for a little girl that needed a medical helmet. Remember that? because of some head issues with her head forming and stuff like that. This is her now graduated from her helmet and no longer needing it. So um, look at that. Her head's just perfectly shaped round. Like, look at this. She could be bald. It'd be amazing. It's fantastic. So, and the family there. And so, you know what? This is what you guys are doing. And some of you can come up on a Friday night and serve and be involved there. And some of you, that doesn't work. But you know what? We're all here And we're working together, and it shows up in different ways, whether it's at recovery or Father's Day for the fatherless or the foster closet or whatever it might be, that you're making a difference in actual real lives and showing the love of Jesus. You know, love God, love people, and what? Live like we mean it, right? That's what this is about. So thank you very much for being a part of that and for serving, for giving, for all the different parts that go into that. Uh, It's just amazing. So uh, that is the little girl. So I thought that was so cute. So there she is. All right, let's bow our heads. We're going to get into the word today. It's uh, the belt of truth. We've been talking about spiritual warfare. And we're really kind of this month launching into the actual pieces of armor uh, that God talks about. We're going to talk about different ones each week. But today's the belt of truth. So Father, we give this to you and ask that you would uh, let your Holy Spirit lead us into truth as you promised in your word uh, that the Holy Spirit would do. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to... Minister to us, convict us of sin, of righteousness, of truth, and allow us to understand your word. Be our counselor today in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. I'm gonna reread this because this is our foundation. Uh, It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, so all the pieces. Put on all those things that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So there's a plan, a strategy, a scheme that the devil is using to come after you. And it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, not of here, but of somewhere else. And what it says specifically is the cosmic powers over the present darkness and against spiritual forces in heavenly places. It's talking about spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. There's things going on that we can't see. There's things going on that we can see the the effects of through people's lives and through temptation and through abuse and through all types of things, we can see like there's something going on here. Through people that are going through oppression or depression, there's things happening. We say, okay, there's something going on. And we talked about somebody who was really hilarious. I don't know who it was, but somebody brought like a billion ducks and piled them all up here. Was that you that did that? 
Oh, that was my wife. Thank you for that. So she tried to make it like somebody else was making fun of me, but I'm glad it's always just her. Um, so they put all these ducks up here because last week we talked about if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, guess what? It's a duck. If it looks like spiritual warfare and it acts like spiritual warfare, do you know what? Yeah, it's probably spiritual warfare. You're probably actually being attacked by the enemy who doesn't not, not only doesn't like Christians, he doesn't like any of humanity because we're made in God's image. And he's constantly at a scheme to try to bring down humanity and to discourage and to tempt and to pull them away from relationship with God. So that's where we were at. So Ephesians 6, 13, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, and here's two words I want to focus on, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. It's like one sentence that uses withstand and stand. What's the difference? Is there a difference? Yes, there's a difference. And so here's what it is. Withstand is actually comes from this word, uh, anthistem, and it properly means to take a complete stand against. It's to withstand, like there's an opposition, a 180-degree contrary position to establish one's position publicly by conspicuously holding one's ground and refusing to be moved, to push back. So it actually means to not just like, I'm standing quietly, but it actually means to take a stand a public stand, a visible stand, to not be afraid to take a stand for what's right and what's true. That's what the word actually means. To actually, it's not just private, it's public. It's not just my private faith, but it's public. It's an ability to stand up despite culture, despite whatever pressures, despite cancellation, despite everything else, and say, no, this is what I believe to be true based on God's word, and that this is what I stand on as truth. And to be okay with the consequences of that. Jesus said in this life we'll have many troubles. If they persecuted him, if they hated Jesus, guess what? That They may persecute and they may hate us as believers. But we have to have a courage and a faith to withstand the enemy. Why? Because other people need to see that there's actually an opposition to the devil's schemes. That there's actually another route. There's another way. There's a truth. If there's two pathways going and one leads to death and one leads to life, and everybody that's on the pathway to life just quietly hides in the bushes... And somebody comes up and everybody on the pathway to death is like, come this way, come this way. Well, guess which way people are going to go? And so our job is to actually publicly stand for what's right so that when people are coming to that fork in the road in their own life and their own decision making, they can say, I see there's a right way this way and there's a way to go this way. And they get to make a choice of which way they're going to go. But they need to be able to see that there's a difference. And so we are called to actually shine a light. The Bible says that we're light, that we're salt. And so we actually are supposed to be present, visible. That second word is stand, which actually means to make a stand, and this is what we normally would think of, and to establish yourself, but check out this part, to set in balance. And so how do you stand, right? And if you actually want to stay standing, okay, we just saw, Ad we just saw Adelie up here worshiping and going down the stage and with her crutches, right? Why do you need the crutches? Because she's got one bad knee right now. And so what do you need? You need to be able to balance, right? Standing requires balance. And so when he's talking about standing in the word and standing in truth, there's a balance to it. John 1.17 talks about how the, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth, there's a balance, okay, that come together in Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. So there's an ability to have a balance. Well, what does it look like to be out of balance? To be out of balance is to have truth, like Moses had with the law, but there's no grace, there's no love, there's no care, right? So we're aggressive, we're assertive, we're attacking, we're putting people down, they have a different view or they don't understand the truth or they don't know God, and so everything's an attack. Balance 
okay, is to be able to stand for truth and yet at the same time be able to fully love. How do we do that? Well, it said that it came through Jesus Christ. We really have to have his heart working in us. It's him that works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. It's not something we naturally do. We naturally either just fully love and just embrace everything or else we just get walls and we put up and we become angry and we're against and that's really we're on one side or the other. But the truth, the belt of truth really comes in the tension of these two things. That we have to, and if you think about a belt, right, when you put it on, I got a belt on, if I put it on, I can't just put on one side, bring grace and truth to. Put on both sides, right, and then lock it up. And so you have to bring grace and truth together in order to hold that on and to have a balance. And that's kind of what this verse is talking about. So Ephesians 6, 14 to 15 says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Other translations say to gird yourself with it. Like to put this around yourself, to, to put it on tight, to fasten it. And then with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from, check this out, the gospel of peace. Okay, the gospel of peace, not of war. The gospel of peace, not of war. Okay, so as believers, we are in a spiritual battle, okay? But our call is to, yes, make a stand for truth in whatever area, our own life, in our families, in culture, but it is not a call to war. Not in a natural war. Because Jesus said, the Bible says Jesus gave us the ministry of what? Of reconciliation. Our call, our, our mission from God is to reconcile people to God. He didn't come into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Why? Because it's already condemned. It's already in a spiritual war. We're sent as rescuers in to stand for God, to stand for truth, and to bring people out of that battle and into the peace and the grace of God through the gospel of peace. Okay, so there's this tension that works in all of this. So what is truth? Truth comes from this other word, aletheia, which is, and I'm using some of these original words because I want us to understand it. Because a lot of us know about the armor and we've heard about this and we just fly through it. But I want us to get an understanding of it and to grasp it. And this is a truth, not merely truth spoken or of an idea, a reality, a sincerity of truth and moral sphere. But check this out. It's a divine truth revealed to man. It's a divine truth that God has revealed to humanity. It's talking about the word of truth. It's talking about knowing him, knowing the Bible, knowing Jesus, knowing the word as God has revealed it and understanding it and be able to live through and to walk through that. So I have a Honda Ridgeline, a truck. All of you in favor of calling it a truck, raise your hand. All of you who think it's not a truck, the door is right open. No, okay. <laughs> I've never gotten so many comments on a truck than my Honda Ridgeline. Everybody's like, that's not a truck. Uh, one guy said, that's a souped-up El Camino, a, which I kind of felt a little bit uneasy about. And then the next guy jumped in and says, no, it's not. El Camino's have more power. And I'm like, oh, okay. But you know what? It's a perfect truck for me. I love that truck. It's a great pastor truck. So, but I have a Honda Ridgeline. And so here's the thing. In our culture, everybody has their own truth, right? Well, that's great. That's your truth. That's wonderful. I have my truth. You have your truth, okay? That's fantastic. Now, if you're married and your spouse is in trouble because they're doing something they're not supposed to, they're not helping out with the kids, they're not coming home, or they're not working and having a job and paying any bills, and you're like, hey, you need to help out with some bills, and you do something around here, and they're like, well, that's your truth. <laughs> My truth is that I'm trying to just relax and trust the Lord all the time. <laughs> well, okay, but, but the people that are, are knocking on our door and putting an eviction notice on, they, they kind of have their truth, too. <laughs> 
and it lines up with mine, and you need to go get a job, right? And so there actually is truth, real truth. And the reason I have my owner's manual up here is because we all have cars or some type of a vehicle or something that we use to drive and to go around in. And guess what? There's a, a, a manual that comes with that that has the manufacturer's truth in it. And do you know what it says? It says that I have to put gas in my car if I want it to run. I have to put oil in my engine if I don't want it to blow out. Like there's things I have to do. And if I don't do that, guess what's going to happen? If I say, do you know what? Thank you, Honda. I appreciate that. And you know what? You have your truth. But I have mine. And mine is I like to drive and I don't really like paying three or four dollars for gas. And you know what? I don't really like changing oil. It's just a hassle. And I just like my car to just run. And that's my truth. I enjoy it more. It feels better. It's less, uh, it's less uh, intrusive on, on my day, on my, on my own personal goals, on my own ambitions. And, and so I don't do that. Guess what's going to happen to my car? It's going to be broken. And it ain't going to take very long. I'll run out of gas. I'm going to be done. And maybe somebody will come help me give me some gas a few times. Pretty soon I'm going to be stranded. My engine's going to blow out the oil. All these, my tire tread's going to be gone because I'm not changing the tires. I'm going to end up in a wreck. Like all these things will happen. Why? Because there is an actual truth from the manufacturer on how that truck's supposed to work. Right? Okay. So we are made by God. We have a manufacturer. We have someone who has made us and designed us and who has actually given direction on this is how you are supposed to work. This is how you're supposed to be used. And that's what it's talking about when it says divine truth, that it's a truth revealed by God. This is what we're bucking around our ways. This is what we're readying ourselves for life with. It's not our own truth, but it's the truth of God. Lord, how do you want me to operate? Well, I don't forgive. Well, why don't you forgive? Because that person offended me and I feel better to hold it against them. That's my truth. Well, that's okay, but you know what it will do to you? What, not to them, what it will do to you, to your spirit, to your attitude, to your heart. It will destroy you. God knows that. Well, I don't like to give because I like to hold everything for myself. Well, do you know what will happen as you settle in in greed and you don't help others that are in need is you think you'll have more, but you'll end up having less. Because it'll lead to misery and depression and isolation and a lack of joy that'll lead to all types of things. Alcoholism, drug addiction, I mean, all kinds of things because you're moving away from the spirit of giving. And so in all these areas, serving, I don't like to serve, I like to be served. Well, you weren't designed for that. I want to be worshipped. I want everyone to praise me. I want a lot of affirmations. Our culture loves that. That's why all the apps are so popular because we can get so many people worshipping us. And so we do that and say, well, do you know what? We're not designed to be worshipped. We're actually designed to be worshippers. And if you get too much worship coming into you and you're not the one turning around giving the worship back to God, guess what happens to you? You can just look at Hollywood, politicians. You can look at people that are doing really well and over and over again. Divorce, addiction, abuse, sexualization. I mean, all these things happen. Why? Because we're not made for that. We're made to actually be a worshipper. So it is important to follow manufacturer's instructions and to gird ourselves with truth. And so we actually, in talking about a belt, this girding, um, and here's the, that word, it's actually to gird yourself generally for active work, like a travel or like a battle. It's to actually, it's not just putting on a belt, it's not a fashion belt. Do you like my belt? Oh, you don't like this one? I got another one. It's, not, it's, it's to fashion yourself with something that's equipped and ready for what you're facing, to move forward. So I'm going to have Aaron come up. Uh, because we have Aaron, who is military, and been for many, many years. And this is a real, actual military belt. Let's give him a hand. And um, where's that? Want to give me that mic right there? 
And uh, this is uh, what we're talking about. And this is, come this way a little bit because people may be watching this. Um, so this is a military belt. So I want you to give us a little bit of explanation of this because this is actually a belt equipped and girded for doing something and for surviving in a battle. And we're talking about spiritual warfare. So go ahead, explain some of that to me. Well, every soldier is given a belt. Um, it's a basic piece of kit. <clears throat> and the belt is designed to carry three things. Ammo, water, and first aid. As you go through your career um, and you train with it, you learn how to set it up so that you can access everything uh, whenever you're in need or somebody else is in need. And you also learn how to or what else you need to carry based on your job. Um, so for me and my job, I carry a compass and I have a map case with a map protractor so that I can accurately read a military map and then convey that location on the radio to somebody else. So, so really quick, um, you don't start out with a map. No. And you don't no. start out with a compass. Why? Um, if I give a new recruit a map and a compass, he will get everybody lost. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you, you said you kind of work towards knowing what to keep on your belt, what to use, right? Yes. And so what kind of things would help you learn that? Just because you're studying more books or because of what? Like, how would you know, like, next time I need this on my belt? Like, I need to change this up. I need to do something differently. It's called training. Mm -hmm. um, in the military, we do uh, field training exercises where you take all of your kit and you go into an environment and you train against a notional enemy. In that training, you learn how to move and you learn how to set your kit up. The example being, if I put my canteen in the front of my kit, when I lay down on the ground, that canteen is pushing on my sternum. It's hard to breathe. It's hard to move. So I put it on my hip instead of in the... In the right. center, you also learn how to set your magazines up. Example being, um, this, the term is projectiles inboard. So you set all six magazines up so that the ammo points inboard. So when you're reloading, all you have to do is put your finger on it, pull it out, and insert. Okay, so what, what would happen if somebody went out and they had no knowledge of really how to use their belt and they just grabbed it off the rack like, I showed up, and I'm like, grabbing that thing off the rack, I'm hitting the battlefield. And I didn't know anything about it. I just grabbed that thing and went out. Would I be in some kind of trouble? You would make a lot of problems for everyone else. Everyone? Not just myself, but everybody. Yes. Okay, awesome. Can I keep this? Yes. I'm going to hold on to this, because I want to talk about this. I'm, can I wear it? Yeah. Uh, see, that's where I already would have screwed up, because I would have put it on the other way. You know why? Because my belt buckles in the front. And this one buckles in the back. Wow. Thank you, Aaron. And I get to keep... I get to keep this. Do I get to keep it? No. Okay. That, that's where he draws the line. So let's talk about this. So he said, it depends on where you put things. And if I grab it and just went out, right, I could get in trouble for other people. Okay, let's talk about this. The belt of truth. If you just grab your Bible which is God's word, and it's full of truth. If so many people nowadays just grab their Bible and just start slinging verses Amen. all around, and they do way more harm to themselves and others than they do any good. Why? Because they throw things out that don't apply to the situation. They're out of context, and they give people a false reality. You know, maybe somebody, here, I'll give you one example, okay? This, I'm going to pick on husbands for a second, Okay. 
husband may come to me and say, man, I'm really struggling. I feel like God's not answering my prayers. I've been praying on this and going through this. And I just really say, do you know what, man? God's for you. Who can be against you? I believe with you. That's great. I can whip that out and throw it. Everybody knows that verse. It's on Facebook all the time. It's like everywhere. Boom, throw it out. But you know the Bible also says that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church, right, and to lay their lives down for them. And it says to do this, why? So that their prayers aren't hindered. So I could be saying, God's for you. Everything's for you. It's awesome. God's going to help you. Don't worry about it. God's got you. But at the same time, if they are not being a faithful husband or a good husband or caring for their family, God's sitting back there saying, now, why are you throwing that verse at him? Because right now I'm trying to get their attention. Right now, I got him going through a struggle because I want him to listen to me. But now you're taking that away because you're just throwing these other verses at him. Now you're harming them and you're harming their family because you're giving them a false hope. Somebody who's lazy, they're not doing anything that they're supposed to do, and they can't pay their bills, and you're coming in and say, don't worry about what you eat or what you drink or what you wear because you know what? God knows, and God will take care of you. You know, oh, it's him that gives you the power to get wealth. You can throw all these verses out, right? I know He knows the plans that he has for you. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you. It's all good. But yet it says in Proverbs that the hand of the diligent will rule and the hand of the lazy will come to what? Slave labor. Okay, so there's this actual need to actually understand the word by getting in. And what Aaron said is, do you know what? You got to actually go through and actually know what you're putting on your pack, know where it goes, know how to use it. And if you just give a map to somebody with no knowledge or experience on using a map, you know, they're going to get a lot of people lost. Okay, so we all get the word. But if you are new to the word, I would say it's good to read it and get what you can, but take it to somebody who's had some experience that knows the word and say, hey, I'm reading this. Can you help me to understand this? Am I understanding this right? Am I reading this right? I got this on my verse of the day. Do you think this fits? Or get into the word yourself more and read and understand and really understand the truth that you're putting on, that you're girding yourself with, so that when you go out there into battle, you're actually going to be able to get a victory. Does that make sense? Okay, so we do that by, by not just showing up, because we only hit a few verses on a Sunday. Okay, and I try to take these things and line them up and in a short window that we have, give as much clarity and truth on a subject as we can, but it's a very small window. Okay, so to be in the word yourself, to be understanding it, it talks about in 2 Timothy, it says to present ourselves as workmen before the Lord that are fitted, and it says that rightly divide the word of truth. That we have an understanding of the word, like I'm reading my Bible, I understand it, I know what it's talking about on this. And so if we do that, God allows us to have this belt, okay, that's going to be helpful for us. Now, John 14, 6, I'm going to talk a little bit about the belt in a little bit more, uh, kind of more dimension, more three-dimensional. Jesus is the truth, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life in John 14. In John 1, it talks about that he is the word, Okay, so we know that he's actually the word of God, like expressed in person, like he is God, but he comes as the word. So when you see him, you see the word, you see God's truth. Okay, and this other verse, Colossians 1:17, see how this fits into a bell that talks about that he's before all things, and guess what? All things are held together in him. He literally holds it together. He brings everything together. And so again, it comes back to balance. There's knowing the word, the written word, the law of Moses, the laws of God, the New Testament, the things that God teaches, and to understand his word. And then there's this relationship with Christ who brings in the grace and the truth that, that brings it all together. If you only have, you're just, man, I'm, just a, I'm always in the Bible, but I have no relationship with the Lord. We've seen what that does. Jesus actually had the most conflict, not with worldly people, but with religious people that were fully into the law, but they had no relationship or desire for God. And that can become a problem. You can also be fully into relationship with the Lord. And man, I just me and Jesus. I love Jesus. Uh, do you ever read your Bible? No, I don't have time for that. It's just me and Jesus. 
And you can be living and doing things that are totally out of character of what he would call you to do because you don't know. And they're meant to be pulled together. There's this personal relationship where his spirit is working in us and living in us and working through us. And at the same time, there's a knowledge of the truth and an ability to walk in it and to stand in it. And so that's what God's trying to get us out of. Our culture, I want to talk about postmodernism for a minute because that's really what our culture has been all about. Since about the 60s, it's been what, what uh, art's about, it's been what music is about, it's been what politics are about, education's about, it's postmodernism. What is that? So postmodernism, uh, here's a little bit of a definition of it, a metaphysical skepticism or nihilism, and that's what I'm going to talk about more, a preference for the virtual experience over the real. It, which we're getting more and more into that, right? More and more into like, before it was just like, I don't want truth, I want my own ideas, And then it's like, well, I have my own truth now, so I do want truth, but now it's my own truth. And then it's like, I don't even want regular real, I just want virtual, so I'll just do everything online. And then it goes from there to it's even moving farther to like, I don't even just want that, I just want to be able to like fully get into like a a 3D world. I want to get into a metaverse. It's amazing. That's where I want to be. And then everything will be exactly like I want it. I can fly, I can do stuff, like I'll be my own person. And then there's no real reality anymore. That's what it's been pushing towards, which requires the tearing down of every other structure, every structure of, of authority, doesn't matter what it is, political, government, family, uh, the tearing down of literally science, tearing down of, I mean, there's even in some schools, I know in Washington where we used to live, that they were looking at taking math out as a destructive force because it was oppressive, right? because it's an authority, that's true, it's true, it's in the news, they were doing it up in Seattle. They wanted to remove math because it was oppressive and it was hurting people. What? Because anything that was bringing structure, authority, you pull out. That's what postmodernism does. It pulls it all out so that we can invent and create a new reality, which is part of nihilism. So what is nihilism? It actually comes from the Latin root word of uh, nihil, which means nothing. And you're going to see the spiritual loop back here in just a second. It means nothing, nothingness, which is similarly found in related terms, annihilate, right? You got that word in the middle of there, right? To annihilate, which is destruction. And to bring to nothing, so to destroy, to waste everything. Okay, spiritual warfare, we're coming back. This is where we loop it back, okay? And see where it all ties in, okay? That we are actually in a spiritual battle. Jesus exposed this scheme himself, John 10, 10. The thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy, which is what? Annihilate. He wants to steal, take away, now there's nothing, right? Kill, take away, now there's nothing. Destroy, take away, now there's nothing right? That's postmodernism. The goal is to destroy and to take away everything that has structure or purpose or identity, anything that has truth, and to just start over from scratch and everybody create whatever we want to do. And so biblically, that's what it's talking about. And so Jesus said that, but he said that I have come, the truth I put in parentheses, because I put that there because he says I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we can insert that anywhere where it talks about Jesus. We can also insert truth. Because he declared that his way is truth. So I have come that they may have life and to have it to the full. How many people do you talk to that are living in this nihilistic way? And when you talk to them and they say, do you know what? I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do, but why do I feel so what? Empty. Because that's what it leads to. It leads to emptiness. It leads to emptiness of emotion. My relationships aren't fulfilling. I'm not fulfilled. I'm doing all this stuff, but I don't feel anything. Why do I feel this way? And then people start doing self-harm. They start cutting. They start doing all kinds of things. Why? If you talk to anybody that's done that, maybe somebody in this room, statistically, I know there's people in this room that have either done that or are doing that now. But what is the common reason for it? The common reason is it's control and I can feel something. I can feel I'm like, why? Because of emptiness. Why do you do this? Why do you, 
it, people are trying to fill. They're trying to fill. Jesus said, I came if we follow the truth, the, the manufacturing. So Romans uh, chapter 1, 18 through 20. It says, the wrath of God. Now, wrath, I put this in parentheses. This comes from the word orge, which actually means the actual settled opposition. So the settled opposition of God, like he has set his feet and he's taken a stance, which he's telling us to do to withstand. He said, I've taken a stance. And that stance is that I have settled my mind. I'm opposed to that. I'm opposed to this other way that you're trying to do. And he says, the settled opposition of God is being revealed from heaven against all of the godlessness and wickedness of people. Now pause, because I know that most of us think immediately of something in culture. Okay? But he's also talking about us. He's also talking about me, and he's also talking about you. Things that in our life don't line up with God and his way and his truth that sometimes we settle for. Maybe it's holding on to that offense or maybe it's, you know, having that little addiction or having that thing or, or whatever it might be. And we say, you know what, this is what I'm holding on to. It's all of those things. If it's against him, he has settled his opposition against it. Who suppress the truth by their own wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Well, I don't know. How could you tell there's a God? The Bible says God has made it plain. That, well, I don't believe that. That's okay, because every person at some point will die. There's a point for man once to die, the Bible says, and they will stand before God. And when they stand before the creator of everything, and they stand there and they look at him and they say, well, I don't believe that you made anything. The Bible says right here in Romans that they will be without excuse. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So that we are all without excuse to say, I don't know if there's a God. Yes, where did stuff come from? I'm about to go in there to a queso contest after church. And when I go in there and have queso and I eat it, guess what? I can assume automatically that somebody made queso, right? That seems silly. Like, well, when you see something, when I see this table, I know somebody made it. When I have queso, I know that somebody made it. When I see the winning queso, I know it was mine because I put one in there. (laughs) But we know. Well, it's the same dip. When we look out onto the world and we see all the things that God's made, there's a truth revealed. We we talk about that as a general revelation that comes. The Bible and Jesus is like a specific revelation where he gives us specific things. But there's a general revelation that all of mankind knows that all of us came from somewhere. Something has started this. Something has happened. And so we see that. Now check this out, because the more science grows, the more it catches up to God. Okay, this is a really interesting thing, and you're not going to believe this when I say this, but this is true. So this is, um, you can Google this, it's, it's all over, but this was a Harvard thing. So at Harvard, they took some people that are like the geneticists, they work with like DNA and that type of stuff. They stored 70 billion books. This is going to blow your mind for a second, so listen. 70 billion books billion books on DNA, transported it just on DNA, and then uploaded it back to a computer. They literally took all the information from the 70 billion books, they coded it into genetic markers that go in DNA, then downloaded it to the DNA, so they have a drop of DNA, that's holding 70 billion books, 
they take it to another thing to upload that, those markers to decode it and to read all the books, and they transfer all the books on DNA. So what does that tell you about DNA? Because this just happened. Science is always catching up to God. What does this tell you? It tells you that it is so specific and so designed that literally as we're finally starting to even learn and get any idea of its complexity, that there's so much order and so much structure to it that we can literally use it as a hard drive. Somebody made that. And that's what it's talking about, that the more that you dive into nature, the more you dive into the reality of what God has made, the less excuse that we have to say that it didn't come from anything, right? That we know it did. So there's truth. But what happens when we throw the maker out is that then we can throw out the truth. So Romans 1.21, it says, for although they knew God, so we knew that there was a God, they neither glorified him as God. I don't want that. Why don't we want it? Because then there's authority. If there's God, there's authority. If there's a manufacturer, then there's a, a certain way things are supposed to be done. And I don't want that. So I got to first get rid of God. Okay? They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. I'm not grateful. I came from this road. Back when I was an addict and all different types of things many years ago, I had a great anger against God. First, I was like, there is no God. Then I was just angry because I couldn't get out of my mind that there was. Obviously, there's something more than this. But then it was anger because, you know what? Why are you mad at me because I have feelings and thoughts and desires and do things that I feel like have been there since I was born? Which is true of all of us because we're born sinners. We all have things that we want to do. We all have desires that we want to do. We all have ways that we want life to go that have been there literally since we could think. It's like, well, this is how I'm made. I was made like this. Yes, in all types of ways. I said I was angry. Like, you made, now you're judging me. No, he's revealing we're broken. We come from a fallen nature and a fallen world. And he's saying, do you know what? As you're growing, you're starting to see me. You're starting to see that you don't line up with how things are supposed to be. And guess what? If you'll come to me, I'm gonna help you to fix this. It's a ministry of reconciliation. It's a truth that brings both grace and truth together. Yes, you're out of, you're out of line, out of order, and you're gonna break down, but I have love that's gonna bring this back together, grace that's gonna bring this back together. And I'm gonna connect this, and that's what God wants to do with us and to call us through. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him, nor did they give him thanks, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Their thinking became futile. It's like a calculator that goes out of whack. And now you're putting the numbers in, but it's... Four plus four is now, equaling, is now equaling five. And 10 plus 10 is equaling eight. There's something wrong. It's futile. You can think, but it doesn't come out with the right answers. That was me. I would think things, and I came out with the wrong answers. And then I was convinced that these were real. Looking back now, I can look at some of those things and say, wow, that was nuts. Why did I think like that? Why did I think that would work? Why did I think that would help me? Why did I think that would be good for my family or my relationship? What, what was in my mind? But in my mind at the time, it was very clear thought. And so that's, my thoughts became futile. I could think, but it did no good because the calculations were messed up and God needed to renew my mind. The Bible says be transformed by what? By the renewing of our mind. My mind needed to be renewed. And so we are actually in the age of AI, which is not artificial intelligence. It's just abandoned intelligence. Yeah. We are abandoning intelligence. Anything that we know to be truth, we say, no, that's not true because it's not what I want to live or what I want to do. And thinking that that's going to turn out well. And it's not going to turn out well. And I don't need to pick a certain area. You can turn on the news and you can find a million areas that we're doing this. It's even happening in the church. It happens in culture. It happens in the world. It happens in the church. The church feels 
that we can serve God with no suffering. That's abandoned intelligence because that's not a biblical concept. Jesus said in this life you have many troubles. First of all, you're going to have the struggle and the trouble of, of fighting off your own flesh, some of your own temptations, your own desires, your own hurts, your own offenses, your own ways of doing things. You're going to have to deal with that. So even if nobody else causes suffering, you're going to have your own internal suffering that you've got to wrestle through in order to pick up your cross and to follow Christ. But to just throw that away and say, well, we don't like that version of what Jesus said, so we just like the version where we come to the Lord and everything's great. We baptized Amanda today. Now her life will be perfect forever. Amazing. doesn't work like that. Now she's made a commitment to the Lord and acknowledged his commitment to her. And now as she goes through the battle and the struggle and the journey of life, she's not going to do it alone. Because he'll never leave her or forsake her. But that's different than just, oh, everything's going to be amazing. Romans 1, 22 to 23, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal humans or birds or animals and reptiles. People want to worship anything but God because God's the only one that has authority. He's the only one that has the power to, to put us back into line and to say to do this or do that. But any other area we can just worship and just enjoy. But God's the manufacturer. He's the one that says this is this is a different way to do it. So when we're talking about as believers, we need to be able to actually wear truth. It's first of all for our own selves. When Aaron puts this on, I mean, goal number one is stay alive. Right? And that's what you're doing. It's not just for you. Stay alive. Because these have bullets in them, I would assume. Maybe not today. But when you're in the field, Kim's like, nope, he's not giving it to you with bullets. How heavy it would be? It'd be way heavier. How much would it weigh? 35 pounds if this thing was fully loaded. There's some weight. Okay? But the first thing to do is stay alive. Right? Okay, so the word of God, the truth is, first of all, to get your life in order, to keep your mental sanity, your emotional things, keep yourself alive. Because otherwise we go off in our own way and the wages of sin leads to what? Death. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the second thing is, if Aaron's out there and the only thing he wants to do is keep himself alive, he's not going to make a very good person to have in the bunker with you. Right? Like something's coming in, oh, don't worry about that. I'm just worried only just about me. But the reason that a unit can work well together is because they're, care they're themselves, but they're also watching out and caring for other people around them, yeah. right? So the word first gets applied here, because if you're dead, you can't help anybody. If you're living off, you can't help anybody. Then it's extended out to be an offer to help and to bring grace and truth into other people's lives. So I'm going to end on this verse out of John 1. It says, in the beginning was the word. It's talking about Jesus, but it's also the word and the word. It's purposely bringing these things together. It's the word of God. It's also the word of God. Open and read. It's purposely bringing these things together to show both his person and also the truth. We can see his love, and we can also see his commands. We can see his instructions, and we can see his help. It says, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So from the very beginning, this was God's plan, and he was there. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Now, here's the important part. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and what? The darkness has not overcome it. Okay? He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the light. 
that if you will fasten yourself with truth, if you will stand in the word, if you will stand in the ways of God, that no matter what else is going on, the promise through God's word is that even if it's dark, the darkness will not overcome. Okay? That we are actually made for victory. That we win. That you win. That the church wins. That God wins. But that doesn't mean it doesn't get dark sometimes. And it doesn't mean that we don't have to be girded and be ready to take a stand. And that we have to be able to actually hold the position of truth in our own heart and even in our families and even in culture. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that, God, you would challenge us, Lord. I know that each person, Lord, is in different areas of life and different understandings and different, uh, Lord, depths of their walk with you. But, God, I pray that you would uh, speak to them, Lord, about truth, Lord, that there's something in their life that's not lining up with your truth, that you will help them to bring that into alignment. Lord, you'd help them to get their, their truth girded about, Father. You'd help them to have the balance, Lord, of, of grace and truth, Lord, to be able to walk these things out. Father, I pray that you would help them also to have the boldness, Lord, as we read about Ephesians, God, to withstand, Lord, to publicly stand, to, to not be afraid, Lord, to speak truth, Lord, to stand for truth, Lord, in whatever setting you have them in. But, God, they would be able to stand for truth, but also to be able to do it in love, Lord, to be able to do it, Lord, with the feet of the gospel of peace, Lord, of reconciliation. God, thank you for making us a part of your family. Thank you for making us a part of your mission. And thank you most of all, God, for giving us Lord, already, God, the promise, Lord, of victory. I pray you'd encourage and bring faith to people today, Lord, in whatever they're, they're facing, God, that they are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Lord, draw us into your word. In your precious name, amen. 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 Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.